Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Yo, yo, it's ODB, the Lincoln Addict, and I'm hitting you guys with another episode of Lincoln Addict Podcast. Certainly appreciate everyone coming back and continuing to listen. Appreciate all the additional subscribers that uh, I've seen in YouTube, so thank you guys so much. Going to use a little bit of new equipment this time to see how it kind of goes as far as editing and the overall sound quality of the podcast, so trying to kind of ramp that up. I got a special episode for everyone this episode, I'm going to sit down with Jeremy Bumpus and Brian Fuller from Carfix TV Show. If you're a fan of Motor Trend, you know that uh, you, you more than likely have seen the show over the course of time. They're the current hosts. I had Jeremy Bumpus on our Lifestyle podcast um, not too long ago. It doesn't seem like um, earlier this year, and it was pretty cool to sit down with him and talk about the mini truck build that he had been going through, which is the Maverick, right? Full stereo, air suspension, graphics, full interior. Very, very cool build. Now, we went down in, God, was it late January, early February? We went down to the studio and we filmed a couple, like a little bit of B-roll uh, footage for the show with our mini trucks, right? So that's the other thing I'm into. I've talked about that a little bit. Now, that was the day I got a chance to meet uh, Brian Fuller. Had been following Brian on social media based upon do the cool stuff that he does up in Georgia. And then in addition to that, he also has a Lincoln, right? So I've seen that. I, they did an episode on Carfix where they went over to Lincoln Land and um, you know they worked on the car and that was the coupe. But Brian also has a convertible. So we kind of connected over that. Um, obviously the car fix episode that was, um, basically kind of like an eighties, you know, vibe to it, uh, eighties, nineties, if you will. So that was pretty cool. But again, got a chance to connect over the trucks and, um, I would highly encourage you go out and follow Brian B R Y A N Fuller F U L L E R on social media, primarily on Instagram is where I follow him again on this episode. I'm going to sit down with both of them, um, on site and do some audio. We'll, of course, I'm sure, talk a little bit of trucks, Lincolns. I know uh, Brian had been anxious and, you know, wanting to talk a little bit about the history, right? The 100th anniversary of Lincoln, which is kind of cool. I haven't, I don't think, reinforced that enough, you know, so far this year. So a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Now, Lincoln Eric Podcast, want to thank our sponsors, including Devious Customs. If you're looking to customize your Lincoln, there's really only a one-stop shop. It's DeviousCustoms.com. He has parts from air suspension to stereo to uh, potentially even refurbishing your door panels. He has it all. And if he doesn't, if there is something that maybe he hasn't uh, released yet, I'm sure Jeff and team are working on it. So DeviousCustoms.com. They're on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Devious Customs. I'll be running that airbag kit on my 64 Lincoln. Huge shout out to Jeff and team. Also, Colorado Custom Wheels, hit up Michael and team for your custom billet wheel needs, including the Lincoln replica wheels. Uh, you can go to Colorado Custom with no S, coloradocustom.com, or send them a direct message on social media. Next, I want to give a huge shout out to Steel Rubber, uh, Steel Rubber, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. Hit them up if you need weather stripping. If you have one of these Lincolns, you know the value continues to typically increase. So what you want to do is uh, reinvest 
um, some good money back into the car. And I tell you what, um, doing that with the weather stripping is going to help reduce wind noise and it's going to help cut down on uh, any water intrusion, steelrubber.com. Lastly, the official detail product of, of Lincoln Attic Podcast is Griot's Garage. Hit up Griot's Garage. It's G-R-I-O-T-S garage.com. Or if you're at your local retailer, pick up their products. Nick and team are the best in the business. And uh, I used to kind of always think, hey, that's a little bit more high-end than uh, what I'm used to. The prices are right in line. And I tell you, you will not find a better product on the market, Griot's Garage. All right, now that we have that out of the way, Previous episode recap, just want to give a huge shout out and thanks again to Emma from Mob Steel. She is always out there hustling. We linked up at several shows and she always said, hey, if you want to get Adam or anyone on the team on the podcast, let me know. And I wanted to seize the opportunity and uh, we did that. So again, thanks so much to Emma for having uh, or for uh, nailing down having Adam Janai on the podcast. If you're new to this podcast and maybe you just found us or you're here because of Jeremy slash Brian, uh, please go back and listen to the previous episodes. Um, It's a really positive message that Adam sends. On top of that, not only is he a very positive guy, but he's also all about the manufacturing here in the US of A. And that's what they do with their Detroit Steel Wheel brand. So big shout out to them. Really looking forward to uh, seeing what they continue to do. And uh, big shout out. They recently launched their new um, coupe that was uh, made its debut at Cruising Woodward up in some of the Lincoln um, uh, events that were going on. So big ups to the team over at Mob Steel. Now on this episode, I had been working, I've been working for a while, which is going to be probably the next episode. Uh, So I'll kind of talk about this one and that one. But for this episode, I am going to have, as I mentioned, Brian Fuller and Jeremy Bumpus. So they're, if you go um, and you watch anything through, if you have Motor Trend through your cable um, or you have it like I do through Apple TV, pay five bucks a month, you can go on there and watch all the Motor Trend shows. And Carfix is one of those. They've been on the show a few years now. And like I said at the beginning, Brian is a Lincoln guy. So that's pretty cool. And uh, Jeremy, of course, I think that he's got one that he maybe was going to build over the course of time. But regardless, he's a, uh, a cool uh, car person in general. So we'll have them on. Now, someone recently had shared a link to what is referred to as LBJ's 64 Lincoln Continental. So Lyndon Johnson's 64 Lincoln Continental convertible and... I had been wanting to do a post about it. Um, I had researched the car a good amount, you know, going back last couple of years, looking for different things, finding different links, kind of putting together a story. And um, it's ironic that the car is currently now for sale, um, 250 grand. And I'll talk on the next episode, it looks like, about that car and some of the things that I've learned about it, right? So where it went... Um, when did he acquire it? Um, did JFK ever see it? Right. Um, there's some of those key things that I'll kind of talk about that tie into that 64 Lincoln Continental. There's a long history of it that I was able to kind of uncover some things that were kind of surprising after he owned it, where it ended up and kind of, it bounced around a bunch, but again, that's going to be for the next episode. It looks like, and again, I've been working on that, trying to get the story down, trying to get the story right. So make sure you subscribe and or follow this podcast. Really appreciate it. 
All right, so next, the past guest updates. Kind of recently started this and uh, really don't have a lot to share, but I do want to give a huge shout out uh, to James from Detroit Deviant. Um, you guys have heard us give the shout out to James and team before. He was our first guest on uh, Lincoln County Podcast. So first guest and uh, go to DetroitDeviant.com, just how it sounds. That's his website. He's also on social media. He's a guy that's very smart, and he does some manufacturing of different parts, um, what they call the, the braces that go under the hood, uh, kind of decorative, but at the same time, they serve a, uh, a purpose. Um, he does the master cylinder covers, all different kinds of cool stuff. So give him a follow if you're looking for Lincoln parts. Um, you know, he tries to do a couple of things that the other guys like Jeff at Devious are not doing. So uh, check him out. He does also sell uh, parts to do motor swaps as well. So again, DetroitDeviant.com. He's a great source. And uh, the reason why I wanted to give him a shout out was I did see that he's back kind of, um, you know, making the different covers he makes and things like that. So if you follow him in social media, which I follow him on Instagram, uh, you'll see that, you know, he's kind of back. Okay, so next we got Lincoln Life Updates, uh, past guest updates brought to you by Griot's Garage, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, G-R-I-O-T-S Garage. Uh, they've been very active on Instagram and YouTube doing how-to videos, talking about their ceramic coat products. Hit them up. I'm so surprised. I'm not a professional when it comes to detailing, but the ease of use of their products is just amazing. So uh, make sure you support Griot's Garage. They support Lincoln Attic Podcast. Okay, next we got the Lincoln Life update. So I don't think I have a lot to share. Um, I do have a couple things. I wanted to let you guys know you can go to lincolnattic.com and you can pick up the new shirt. Uh, I have them available in black. And for a while, I was constantly tapped and saying, hey, when are you going to launch some merchandise? So I've done that. Uh, if you can show some love, go out there. Fairly priced uh, shirts, decent uh, shipping. I think I you know, charge right what I get charged to ship. And uh, I do provide a tracking number as soon as I ship. Typically, it's the next business day. Hit up LincolnAttic.com. The YouTube channel, as I mentioned earlier, continues to grow. So I appreciate all the views, the comments, uh, some different suggestions. Primarily, what I've been doing lately is a lot of videos related to uh, these different, uh, what I call listings, right? So like whether it's Bring a Trailer or eBay. Um, Bring a Trailer has kind of been the hotbed lately. So I'll do reviews and I'll kind of sprinkle in some different facts or things that I know about these cars. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback on those. So, um, you know, there's a couple longer ones out there. Typically, they're about 20 to 30 minutes in total length. And um, the whole goal is to help people, you know, in terms of making a decision, you know, what are some of the key things to look for in these cars that are obviously highly sought after? Uh, sometimes it's a lot of eye candy. And, you know, not enough substance in terms of, you know, underneath the cars and good pictures and stuff. And other times, you know, we're still seeing, you know, nice cars be sold for a decent price. So the prices do continue to go up. But if you look at bring a trailer, you'll see that you can certainly get uh, a convertible for a decent price out there still. So check out Lincoln Addict on YouTube. Lastly, Richard Lund from Suicide Slabs, he's ramping up a new venture, the Lincoln Broker. And with that brand, you can follow him. I'm sure it's on Facebook too. I follow him on Instagram. 
and I know him and Selux are kind of um, teaming up on a, on another venture too, which you know kind of tie in. But if you're looking to buy a Lincoln, I have my Lincoln Continental Sales, and of course I do my reviews on YouTube. Richard Lund, he has the Lincoln Broker. You can uh, also, if you want to sell a car, you can pay the fee. And uh, he has, I'm sure, you know, tens of millions of of impressions or views uh, each week slash month um, with the Suicide Slabs brand. So go check him out, the Lincoln Broker on Instagram. I think there's a dot in between the words and uh, show him some love. All right, the Lincoln Life Updates brought to you by our family at Steel Rubber, S-T-E-E-L-E rubber.com. The cool thing about Steel is when you go to their site, you can select the drop downs and you can order a free catalog uh, I think they still send them out or you can download it. I always suggest that you kind of create a, a basic spreadsheet in Excel or Google uh, Sheets and, uh, you know, mark down the prices, mark down the part numbers, you know, maybe put a checkbox. Do you need that or, you know, not? And uh, kind of go through and figure out your budget. Again, even if you just do kind of like Johnny Cash said, one part at a time, it definitely helps um, when you look at some of the selling prices that we've seen when people document and show the receipts and show the work and the time and the effort that's put in to maintain these cars, you definitely get a return on your investment. And I think uh, very often when you look at these different listings, hardly anyone ever uh, highlights the um, the rubber on the cars, right? You know, the weather stripping. So I think it's key. And if you do end up buying from Steel Rubber, let them know that Lincoln Attic Podcast sent you. And make sure you keep those receipts in the event that you ever sell your car. You can really highlight, hey, I spent X amount of dollars and the time to change these out. Hey, it'll definitely work in your benefit. Okay, next I got Lincoln Sales. And I've kind of just merged this all into just trends that I'm seeing, whether it's just a car for sale or whatnot. Um, Again, I think one thing I've noticed is the people that are pretty close to these cars, like myself, we have either tried a little venture or we're ramping up a venture, right? So you got a couple of people. You got Tony Boss Bolin, right? On Instagram, Boss Bolin. He is constantly coming across cars for sale. He's buying, he's selling, and things like that. So you can follow him. In addition, I talked about the Lincoln Broker. So you got those guys, Richard Lund, they're kind of ramping up, right? You got Felix out there. I know he's always kind of finding stuff. People are hitting him up. Uh, I've done, um, some of you guys might remember in the past, I had, uh, I have an email address, the Lincoln broker, uh, through like Gmail. And I was kind of dealing with that a little bit myself. And there are others out there, you know, Mario's constantly slinging cars. Chris at Lincoln land obviously is, is, you know, the original, but, um, there's a lot of people out there that are constantly, I think kind of being hit up because they want to be, you know, someone wants to tap someone that has a little bit of the knowledge, right? And they, they, they want to know that, you know, somebody that knows a little bit about the car or a lot about the car that they're going to give them the blessing or the okay, or, Hey, I'm looking for one. So my feedback to you is there's a tons of resources out there, including our YouTube channel. Um, Do your research and remember this, don't just accept someone's opinion on a car, right? So a lot of times, it doesn't matter what kind of car it is. I've seen where people, you know, they're talking to the seller and they're like, oh yeah, it's not, you'll hear this all the time. It's 99% rust-free. I mean, really? 
how often is a car 99% rust free? They're out there, absolutely. But what does that mean, right? Is there a little bit of surface rust? Is the paint nice? You know, you can slice and dice that many ways. But my feedback to you would be from a perspective of buying, just do your research. And even if you're maybe a couple years away from being able to afford one or you know within the next two, three, four years, you're going to pull the trigger on one, you know, join the LincolnForum.net join Suicide Slabs, Lincoln Addict. There's there's probably 10 Facebook pages out there that are really good that are helping people. And take a look at the comments. Look at, you know, the different listings. What do you like about them? You know, are they documenting, you know, have they done any maintenance to them or are they just flipping the cars? You know, a lot of that stuff is important. So again, I always tell people I can help steer someone a little bit, but I don't want to ever tell someone what to do with their money. I can certainly tell you if there's a good deal out there and things like that. But even my time has been very limited lately. And I think what you're going to find is, you know, there's tons of resources. You just got to kind of utilize them. And uh, I think that's all I got this week for the Lincoln sales. Uh, again, bring a trailer is a great resource. And you can go back and you can look at all the sale, the previous sales. Just search Lincoln, scroll to the bottom, and then you'll see all that information there. All right, so next we have Lincoln's and movies, TV shows, and music videos. I've kind of lumped all this together just to highlight maybe an old TV show or a movie or we've seen even Lincoln Lawyer, right, on Netflix, prominent uh, convertible that is displayed there. A lot of you guys have seen that and whatnot. I really like it because if you look back at old TV shows, kind of a time capsule of the different cars. I grew up watching uh, Chips and, um, you know, you look back at some of those episodes and you'll see Lincoln's in the background getting in car accidents and things like that. And uh, it's like a reminder that in the late 70s, when these cars were 10, 15 years old, they were kind of, I think, considered clunkers to a lot of people. I'm sure a ton of them got parted out in the 70s and 80s. But luckily for us, people like Chris Dunn at Lincoln Land had the vision to start Lincoln Land. And uh, that's where a lot of those cars and parts and things like that ended up. But anyways, I wanted to... I have kind of a unique one this time. Um, years ago when the Wonder Woman movie was being filmed, the sequel, I had shared a photo. I think they were filming in D.C. And there was a 70s Lincoln in the uh, the movie because I think it, took pla- it takes place like in the 70s slash 80s. And um, I wasn't so much of a, a fan of the second one as I was, you know, the first one. But... There was a behind the scenes, right, which is BTS behind the scenes. There was a behind the scenes photo where she was on some wires and there was a 70s style Lincoln in the uh, in the photo. Something that I found last night, I don't watch a lot of the spoiler videos for the new Indiana Jones 5, right? So being that I do the other podcast, OLP, you know, I talk a little bit about movies. I love the 80s and 90s stuff. And, you know, Indiana Jones is arguably one of the all-time great movies, especially from an action perspective. And, you know, not everyone was fan uh, a fan of Indy 4, which was um, the Crystal Skull. We are very, you know, as Indiana Jones fans, we're very excited about this new uh, Indy 5 movie that's going to be out in about a little less than a year. And, you know, I know some people are very skeptical, you know, is it really going to, you know, come out good? You know, the last one was horrible. People thought, you know, whatever, right? But I'm here to tell you, there are a couple of videos out there talking about Indy 5. And I came across one 
last night from a channel on YouTube, Indiana Jones 5, the entire story, all leaked footage and uh, intel that they have, basically. And it's called Indiana Jones Nerd. Now, I knew the timeline was going to basically run into the 1960s. And, you know, I do see some of the behind-the-scenes photos and stuff, but I don't typically try to piece all that stuff together. I mean, sure, I'm anxious to see it, but I don't want to, like, ruin it or spoil it for even myself, right? I just want to go there as a moviegoer and, you know, pretend like I was a kid and just watch it, right? I don't, you know, want to watch all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. But I did break down last night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this video. I wanted to see, like, what was he really going to show? And there were, like, you know, in the different filming when they were in Morocco and all these different places, you know, there's people there and they live there. And, you know, they're taking, like, quick little videos and it's all behind-the-scenes stuff. So you can kind of piece it together, right? And that's what this guy did. He did a pretty good job. But here's why I'm saying that. So in his footage, right, with the behind-the-scene photos and uh, a little bit of the video, I saw two Lincolns. There's a 64 sedan, and I think it was a 65 sedan. I don't think either one reverts. So it's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to share one of the photos probably way you know before you hear this. You'll see it on my social media. If you're not on social media much, go back and check it out. I will share it on Instagram. That'll batch over to Facebook, of course. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I did a quick double take and I was like, oh, sweet. And anytime I see a Lincoln in a movie or TV show, I like it. But how cool is it, you know, Indiana Jones, that there's going to be a 64, 65? Now, granted, are they going to play a huge role? I highly doubt it, right? But the actor, his name's Boyd Holbrook, I think it is. The photo, the first one I'm going to share is him getting out of the car. So um, I think it's pretty cool. We'll have to see, and uh, yeah, that's Lincoln's in the movies, TV shows, and music videos for this week. All right, next, I typically will cover any Project Smugglers Blues. You know, I've got two Lincolns now, and I spend a lot of time on them. However, lately, I haven't spent that much time on either car simply because I've just been busy, and I was ill for about a week. I'm still kind of coming out of it. You might be able to hear it a little bit, but... The, I think the big update, I'll start to just combine any Lincoln updates that I have for my personal cars, um, you know, going forward. But I did order through Lincoln Land the parts to upgrade the air condition in my 65 red car. And that's probably the biggest, you know, update that I have. Now, the cool thing is, if you've got a car and it never leaked any coolant, you could just use you know, the R112 and people swear by it. They, you know, swear it's a little bit, you know, even chillier uh, and it's more efficient and, and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of us, the, the systems have leaked out over the years. They need to be recharged and you can't just go put the R134A in the old system. So basically one of the things that people swear by is that you need to run a newer style condenser that works better with the 134A refrigerant. So, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, some people would just say, well, just fix a couple little things and boom, move on. But when I ordered the parts through Lincoln Land, the cool thing was I was able to order a new condenser that has the dryer built in. You still can uh, change the dryer bag if you need to, but um, it's built into the condenser. I already had a brand new compressor I got from the, um, there's an air conditioned place in Tampa. A lot of people used over the years. They used to do installs. Now they don't. They just sell product. But I had purchased the compressor from them and I had um, 
also purchased the uh, the new fittings that go on top of that compressor. So you got to get the right fittings for the 134A system. And um, we also got the new hoses. We got a new expansion valve and things like that. So last weekend, I was going to do that project, kind of document it a little bit uh, for the YouTube channel. And because I was sick, there was no way, right? So uh, hopefully this Saturday I can kind of get started on it and maybe on the by the time the next episode comes it'll be done but um, it's not as hard as you think to upgrade the system which is fantastic I think the big thing is getting the right parts trying to make it as bolt-in as possible uh, which we've done and uh, then basically once you get everything swapped you got to charge the system uh, with freon and I know like Tony boss Bolin, he's you know done that for me in the past and seems so much easier when you have the right equipment with the right, you know, service valves and all that stuff. I've done it before just, you know, if there's a little leak and you get the can from the store and you put it in. But um, to me, just having the service valves and, and the right equipment, it makes it a lot easier. But Blair's going to do that for me. We're going to kind of work on it together and tag team it. One of the big things that he and Teresa, T, aka TC, that they've reinforced is people... Um, we'll get a little too quick on the expansion valve and they'll run into issues. And sometimes, you know, and I'll, I'll document this in the video where the expansion valve comes out. I think it's that big, long copper line that kind of comes from the firewall. So if you're on the passenger side of the car and the hood is flipped forward, you'll see above the air condition, you know, setup, you'll see that long uh, copper line that comes out. You have to take that expansion valve off on the end and anytime you're dealing with this kind of stuff, you want to be very careful because you don't want to break it. You don't want to have to get to the point where it's like you got to take your dash out to fix all this stuff. So we're going to kind of handle it with kit gloves. I know uh, one thing that um, that's important sometimes is, you know, you got to use a little heat on something if something's just not kind of breaking loose. But again, we're going to kind of handle it with kit gloves. Once we get the new hoses, the new condenser, the new dryer will be, of course, in there. And uh, expansion valve and all that's done, um, it's going to blow ice cold. So TC and Blair have done several of these upgrades, and um, I'm looking forward to it. It's been so hot in Florida, and it always is, let's be honest. It, it's not as enjoyable, you know, in the middle of the day to be driving with a top down because it's just the sun's beating on you, you know. It's actually kind of, to me, it's even nicer sometimes to leave the top up and just have the windows down, or when the AC's blowing, that'll be perfect. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then with Project Smuggler's Blues, I touched base with my buddy about doing the suspension. You know, I've been on the list a while, and he got sick. So he was out, and he's just been super busy. So it's been one of those things where there's not a lot of progress on that car, but um, I'm just kind of waiting it out and focusing some time and energy a little bit over on the red car where I can get the AC working. Once I do that, I might jump over and start working on the AC for the blue car because it needs to be done too. The same stuff, right? The condenser's already out and, uh, you know, I'm basically going to use the compressor that I bought for it and just slap it in the other car. So we'll see more to come. My Lincoln updates are brought to you by Devious Customs. As I mentioned at the top, deviouscustoms.com You'd be surprised, even if you have kind of a more uh, stock car, he does have parts for you, different dash pieces, depending on the year. But uh, Jeff also sells the window switches. So if you don't want to go to the usual suspects and have your existing window switches rebuilt, fear not, Jeff can take care of you. Just hit up DeviousCustoms.com. He's got window switches on there. 
and uh, they look a little bit more modern, but they also have the look and feel of the original too. So uh, check them out, deviouscustoms.com. So next, um, just really kind of a few shout outs. I just wanted to say thanks to everybody that listens. Uh, there's people that chime in on um, our YouTube, or excuse me, our Facebook uh, page slash group, which is Lincoln Addict. Yeah, please join us there. We have seen a lot of spam, and I tell you, just be very careful when people are very pushy to sell you parts and want you to send the money. Be very, very, very careful who you're dealing with. Uh, when you're using uh, like PayPal and you send friends and family, there's no recourse, right? There's no benefit to be able to get that money back. If you're using Cash App and some of those I don't use, um, just know you need to be very careful because there's a lot of scams out there. So I want to give a shout out to everybody that chimes in on some of the posts on Lincoln Attic that says, hey, this is a scam because I uh, will basically delete and block the person from the group. There's people that come in, take screenshots of you know shirts and they say, hey, here's a link to buy them. Uh, you know, look at that link closely. And if it's not, you know, a link to Lincoln Addict or one of the major kind of leaked guys out there, be weary. Uh, a lot of it's, you know, just scams out there. So I want to give kind of a huge shout out to everybody. I talked to John Lyman. We want to do an episode where we talk about scams, some of the things to avoid. And I think, you know, the big thing is if the, if the deal is too good to be true, it probably is. You know, it's easier to pick up the phone and call Lincoln Land or John Lyman at Stinkin' Lincoln, or Kelly and Herb at Old Lincoln Parts, or Mario over at uh, Lincoln Boys. There's plenty of good people out there. And if you know a part's going to run you 500 and the guy's saying, hey, I got it now for 200 send me the money now, 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 just know the little kind of radars need to come up and you need to kind of go, wow, why is this guy being so pushy and sending the money now? You know, it's, it's happening far too often. People are getting scammed out of good money. And I would rather you get the parts you need and, um, you know, support the good people in the Lincoln community. So the uh, shout outs this week are thanks to our family at Colorado Custom Wheels. Again, Michael and team can make you pretty much any one-off wheel, but many of us love the Lincoln replica wheels. They kind of cornered the market early on with these wheels and they're made out of billet aluminum so you won't lose your hubcaps. Visit coloradocustom.com, send Michael and team an email and uh, check out Check out them on Instagram. All of the great photos, they're always tagged in from a lot of amazing Lincoln owners. I think that's it for this episode. I did talk to, uh, during the time that I was recording this, I was messaging with Brian Fuller, and it looks like Jeremy Bumpus may not make it tonight, so we may end up just doing the audio with uh, Brian Fuller, but he's a great guy. He's got two Lincolns right now. We also touched base with Chris Dunn from Lincoln Land, so huge shout out to Chris. Uh, we, he may join us. We'll have to kind of see. It's, it is kind of a far ride for him. But if not, I have talked to Chris in the past. I'd love to have him on as an individual guest. Uh, he's a great dude. Uh, please check out Carfix. Um, I think you can get a seven-day free trial of Motor Trend. And if you have Apple TV or maybe the Rokus or you know wherever you can download that app, it is, in my opinion, very worth it. So check it out. Appreciate all the support. Thanks for coming back here to listen to Lincoln Attic Podcast. Make sure you tag us on social media, and I'll do my best to kind of reshare some of the cool cars out there. Stay on the rise, as we always say, and we'll hit you soon, hopefully, with that LBJ 64 Lincoln episode. Stay on the rise. We out of here. Peace. Enjoy this audio with Brian Fuller.
Hey, hey, it's ODB, the Lincoln Addict, and we're hitting you with another episode. You heard earlier, went through a lot of different topics, but for today, as I mentioned, we got Brian Fuller on, and Brian, just want to welcome you to the podcast. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm jacked. I love talking Lincolns. Dude, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was cool meeting you. I can't believe it's been almost like half a year. Uh, one of the uh, car fix shoots, we were talking mini trucks, but today we're talking Lincolns. <laughs> to my two favorite things, mini trucks, Lincolns. You know. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there, boats, cars, planes, pretty much anything with a piston and an engine. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Why don't, before we talk about Lincolns, why don't you just talk a little bit about yourself? You know, I want the listeners to know maybe where you grew up and a little bit of the history about Brian Fuller. Well, I'm an East Texas kid, grew up in a small town, Jacksonville, Texas, outside of Dallas. (laughs) And, uh, you know, tinkered around with cars. My dad had a Mustang when I was in middle school. And I had a Model A hot rod when I was in high school, 1930, Posse. Wow. 27. Damn. Yeah. Rolling. Chop top. Yellow. Wow. That reminds me, even though people didn't like the last Indiana Jones film, I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but at the beginning of that, they've got the, the you know, they've got the old uh, uh, Ford and it's, you know, it's it's a hot rod, you know, and that's what a movie. Yeah. I liked it too, man. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm always, I don't know. I always get criticized for that. I was like, you know, the alien thing was a little weird, but my wife always reminds me, she goes, the one he was walking across the plank that wasn't there. I mean, there is a little science fiction in all of them. I mean, come on. It's like suspended disbelief. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Indiana Jones. It is a movie, right? It's a movie. I mean, (laughs) it's supposed to be real. But that opening sequence was cool, right? And they had that little gopher. And that was like part of the, the reveal. And then it was like, whoa, the car comes. And I love that stuff, man. I love 30s cars. I just, I'm so fascinated by them. I'm, I'm, you know, this Lincoln showed up. I got into Lincolns because I had a kid, and, you know, and I'm driving Model A pickups. My kid's getting rained on. Model A Roadster <laughs> when he was a kid. Wow. Hot rods and trucks. And, you know, the soccer moms are looking at me like, really? You know, they're not that impressed. And then, man, I got the 67 Lincoln two-door. And the moms are just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a family car right there. He could take a lot of kids in that thing. Yeah, can I get your card? <laughs> You're like, sure. You know, it used to just be pushing a stroller could get all the ladies coming over your way you know now it's like driving a lincoln yeah (laughs) they know you can carry a lot of kids you know (laughs) so what was the bug that bit you in terms of being a hot rod guy like i mean was it an uncle your dad i mean where where was that connection yeah my dad bought a mustang and uh, brought it home i didn't necessarily believe that we were really going to do anything (laughs) um he he said yeah we're gonna rebuild the motor we're gonna soup it up we're gonna burn the tires off and when those are done we're gonna buy another set of tires and uh i was just so hooked and like dad when did you become cool like today how did that happen that's rad, dude. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's funny how those little things stick with us. You know, some people would say, oh, it's a big waste of money. And then they change avenues and they go do other things. We're kind of the, the lifers, as I call it, you know, where we we were bit by the bug and we never kind of turned around. And uh, I think that's always cool uh, to kind of reinforce. But something that, that I've talked about in the past, when I was younger, JFK was shot on uh, November 22nd, 63. 
Now, I was born in the late 70s, but my birthday was on the 23rd of November. So I grew up seeing all of the specials and the conspiracy stuff and all that. So I would always see this car. And I was like, man, that car's pretty cool. And then Gleaming the Cube comes out in 89. Hey, hey, Christian Slater. And there's a black 65 in it. So like, I was like, what car is that? And I just thought it was kind of like gangster, you know? Oh, yeah. And I just was like, man, I'm hooked. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. There's no more gangster than <laughs> 60s Lincoln. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, just can there really be you know, a more, one of the more iconic cars. I mean, if you put top 10 iconic cars ever made, how can it not be on it? Oh yeah. And if you think about even Johnny drama and his crew with entourage, you know, you lived in Los Angeles a little while, my understanding. And you think about like that show, I think even catapulted a lot of people to go, man, dude, that's pretty cool. You know, get the crew in the car and go right out. But, um, talk to us a little bit about um, you know, the different places you've lived before we talk a little bit more about Lincoln's because my understanding is you're in Georgia now, but you have lived in other places. Yeah, I did some time in LA, spent uh, 10 years there in kind of the hot rod scene with Foos and SoCal Speed Shop and learned my craft and then moved to Atlanta in about 03, started Fuller Moto. And <clears throat> yeah, we got a full service hot rod shop, upholstery, paint, uh, full metal shop, 3D printing, scanning, and we build high-end custom cars and custom motorcycles. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And the listeners may have seen you, as I mentioned earlier, on Carfix, but there is the other show. And I always, I always go. This one word pops in my head. I always think uh, coffee, <laughs> but you have to remind me multiple times. It's Caffeine and octane. Yeah, caffeine and octane. Well, you know, enough talk about me. Let's talk about Lincolns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so I, that's why I hit you up. Like, let's talk about some Lincolns. Anyone about yeah. my <laughs> see, silly, I, silly self? I, I like the way you think, and we're gonna get up there to caffeine and octane one of these years. So, but l let me ask you this. So, if you think about Lincolns, uh, I haven't done a good enough job reinforcing that this is the hundredth anniversary. What's some of the stuff that you, when you think about the 100 years, I know you've been doing some research and you know you, you think about this stuff as much as I do, but what are some of the important things that you've come across in some of your research? You know, man, it's just a, I think it's a 100-year brand and you look at the new concepts, they're pretty awesome. I think of any car that would be a really great candidate to go electric, it's Lincoln. You know, like luxury cars, you want to be quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, you would have these big V16s, V8s, uh, V12. You know, in the turn of the century, the big, fast luxury cars were quiet. You know, like that was a thing. And then, yeah, you don't want your Cobra to be quiet. <laughs> right? No, I know, right? Yeah. But when you're going out to dinner, with you're taking other couples out, like you don't want to listen to a bunch of like a thousand horse open exhaust, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe you do, but I think the majority of people, they, they do want the innovation. And I think that's something that you and I, when we've talked about the appeal that Lincoln's had forever. It's like the innovation that's been there. It, it blew my mind the other day. I was watching some history about air conditioning. I think it was like the Packard, maybe the 41 or 42. It was like one of the first cars with air conditioning, right? But, you know, think about what Lincoln did. I think when I watch Jay Leno's garage and I see all these like, you know, 20s and 30s vehicles, I'm like, they look so elegant. And that's one thing that's always stood out to me about the Lincoln brand. 
Well, Lincoln was kind of getting their butt kicked. You know, we're skipping. I was hoping to start back in 1917. When oh, yeah. Henry Leland started the company. And the funny thing is about, too, he started Cadillac. Can you believe that? The same dude that started Cadillac also started Lincoln. And he got pissed off at GM <sighs> and left the company because I think the story goes, if I remember right, the, he wanted to build engines for the military and for airplanes. And wow. And didn't agree with that call and pretty much told him no. And he was just kind of like, man, what, I mean, what are we doing? So he left and Lincoln came into kind of receivership and, uh, you know, they ended up buying it. And Henry Ford and Edsel Ford ended up buying it. And uh, in the 20s, 1922 for... 12 million dollar a lot of money back then but still right i mean it it sounds like like hardly anything see and i'm always intrigued too because you think back 100 years you know i remember when that you know the titanic uh was the 100th anniversary and you know it was 1912 and 2012 and you think back to how much has changed my um wife's grandfather he just turned 92 still drives around he has a cadillac uh, but he remembers all of his cars, you know, that he's had over the years. But it blows my mind. You know, we're only talking just over 100 years ago. and There's still stuff I'm learning about it. What do you think the mindset was when he, in that era, before the Great Depression, why, you know, could you imagine being the guy that started those brands? Like, what do you think his mindset was? Well, the, the interesting looking back, you know, uh, Leland, who started it, was much more of an engineer so he was all about engines and performance and that was his that was his gig but when it sold to ford uh edsel ford who was henry's son was all about design you know he grew up as yeah his father was an entrepreneur obviously one of the most wealthy humans on the planet that's ever lived and um you know edsel grew up in a life of being rich you know, so he grew up in where he was traveling to Europe and being exposed to Ferraris and Jaguars, Alphas, you know, all the stuff, all the mm -hmm. beautiful designs that, you know, his dad could care less about. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Are like, reading Instagram over there? no, I was trying to find that. I was trying to find this. Um, <laughs> I look over, he's scanning his phone. I was like, is he reading Instagram? Yeah. So I think it, there was a cool thing I saw the other day when you talk about electric cars. I think there was a, it was the first president to ride in a, mo in a regular car. Here it is. Theodore Roosevelt was the first American president to ride publicly in a car. 120 years ago, this was three days ago, Hartford, Connecticut, and the car, Columbia Victoria was electric. Sure. I thought to myself, what the hell, right? Oh, yeah. But when you think about some of the families and you think about Etzel and the amount of money that they had and things like that, you know, a lot of those folks, you know, they could do anything they want to do. So it's always intriguing to me to hear, you know, that they followed their passion. If, if he was into design that much and things like that, um, then hey, he, he, he ran with it. The other thing that blew my mind though is like when you think about the Etzel car itself, it really was like a bust. And it's funny, in my 94 S10 that you got a chance to see, I have a 60 Etzel dash in it. Now, of course, it's all shaped up. But I mean, what are, what, what, I mean, what are, what are the odds? But, but like, I know we're, I'm jumping around a little bit, but do you think like when Etzel really put the design down that you, that, that do you ever think that, you know, he would look back today in 2022 and say, thumbs up or thumbs down to those early designs that he had? Oh, I think they would love it. I mean, I don't think the Edsel, if I remember right, you know, by the time the Edsel came around, Edsel was already 
passed or he wasn't really involved in it. Yeah, so maybe much. he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he was. I think that was a tribute to him. Huh. It wasn't done very well. Uh, Funny one. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> uh Ford's wife, Clara, she actually liked to be driven around in a chauffeur driven car. This is in the 20s. And, you know, Henry, of course, didn't make a chauffeur-driven car. He made the Model T. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the reasons that Ford was like, man, we maybe we should pick up this luxury Lincoln brand because we don't have anything. She wanted that higher end. We don't have anything to compete with Caddy. I can't have my wife running around yep. in a Caddy. Oh, yeah. The thing my buddy Tony always told me about, I've never made it up to Michigan um, to where the the town is at. But Henry Ford, he really was a forward thinker. But like you said, he made from everything, all the descriptions I have heard, he made like a car for like the working man. So to your point, when they acquired that Lincoln brand, they were thinking, okay, a little bit more higher class type stuff is, you know, that that level that they wanted. Maybe a cut above is a description to use. Um, let's talk about some of the early Lincolns though, right? The different, I mean, over the years, now I can't rattle all these off the top of my head. But what are some of the cars that you can think back to maybe in the early days that you think stand out and, and have stood the test of time? Well, in the 30s, you know, they got to the 30s and they were basically coach built. You know, they were sent to somebody like me who would build you a body. Lincoln would provide the chassis and the cowl and the steering wheel and the front end. And then you would have like a LeBaron or a Fleetwood or somebody like that. That was uh, kind of the Model K was the one that I believe, the one I remember. And sometimes, you know, if it was a successful body that they really like, you know, um, Edsel would order, let's say, 50. And uh -huh. that way, you know, they could cut down on the price. They could shorten the order load for their customer and obviously kind of, quote, unquote, a little bit mass produce it in a, you know, crafty way. Um, but then, you know, I mean, to me, the 1956-57 Mark II is just the sickest, most beautiful. That car is amazing. Speaking of that, so one night, um, Tony, our friend uh, Bill Moss and I, we were over at Chris Dunn's house. And we did, thanks for inviting Chris out tonight. I know Chris couldn't make it, but he opened the garage and our friend Bill saw the 56 or 57 black car that Chris has. And he about fought, fell out. He said, man, that's just such a beautiful, sexy car. And if I remember correctly, it was uh, Elizabeth, um, I'm drawing a blank on her name, the, the famous actress from the 50s and 60s. Elizabeth, she had one. Elizabeth Taylor? Taylor yeah. Taylor. yeah, she had one. And there's a video out on YouTube of the guy that owns the Elizabeth Taylor car. Uh, and it is such a beautiful car and just a different era, man. God, I love the design of that thing. I mean, you know, most of that car was pretty, pretty almost coach built, very, very uh, handmade car, mm -hmm. even still at that point. And they, they broke even. It was a very expensive car at the time. Uh, I'm slipping right now. I wish I could remember exactly the cost of those when they came out. But man, uh, oh yeah, $4,600 in 1956. <laughs> Which is crazy because if you, if you go like, let's say, you know, eight years later and around 65-ish, the cars were like 6500 yeah, yeah, but man. back then, that's probably when a, a normal car was like thirteen hundred dollars or something. So that, I mean, that was a lot. The other thing that's cool is in some of the Lincolns, and again, I don't know all the history on the different ones, but we've seen them before. Like when the door closes, how the air condition would go th like through the door and it would go to the back for the back passengers, and it was just like they they constantly were thinking about 
all the different elements, you know, not just making a car that go, went to straight down the road. It was like the, the, the little touch of class. And I always thought that was a cool thing. Yeah. It's a luxury car. And I don't know, it seems funny that I've stumbled on this luxury car thing because I just didn't, you know, I always, I love the 59 El Camino. I mean the 50, well, I do love 59 El Camino, but I love the 59 Cadillac. I mean, 49 Cadillac. So, you know, there were luxury cars through there that I like, but I just really always considered myself more of a hot rod guy and man fell into these things and at the end of the day you have a hard day of metal working or you know doing whatever you're doing you hop in that car every person you know this every person what do they say when they hop in that car they're comfortable they're happy and they just go to a happy place yeah they they do and the the thing that blows my mind and we've seen this like on Lowe's garage and different things like you know you've been at, at caffeine and octane many times and you know you you know don't get me wrong like you know high end sports cars are cool, but there is something about a Lincoln that like if you went to a uh, you know a caffeine and octane or a cars and coffee and you had a Lambo and you had a, a vert pull up uh, let's say a sixty seven like what you sixty six sixty seven, and you do that top, you draw a crowd, don't you? Heck yeah, man. It's pretty cool. Now, the other thing, I always go on this website, and I've given them a shout-out in the past, automotivemilepost.com. They have tons of information and literature. Um, I'm sure insurance companies refer to these sites because, I mean, they just have so much information. And like on here, you know, they have it broken down between Lincoln, the Mark III, the Mark IV, the Mark V. To me, it got a little confusing. You know, out of the 50s, it was Continental by Lincoln. You know, people have always pointed that out. But to me, it was so simple in the 60s when it was just Lincoln Continental. You had a convertible and you had a coupe. You didn't have a lot of crazy options. Um, that, to me, also reinforced the simplicity in the 60s. Yeah, that's just such an incredible era. Um, you know, if you're interested in the 60s Lincolns, um, hopefully you can post this, That how it goes through. But there's a auto... Um, auto.howstuffsworks.com article about the 61 Lincoln. And man, it, I was just reading that thing today, enthralled. It was, uh, there was a lot of debate back and forth. Um, the Robert McNamara, who was one of the Ford executives at the time, was based, pretty much ready to send Lincoln to the, to the dogs. And, you know, I mean, with good reason. They weren't making any money. The sales weren't that good. There was some, a big era of ugly cars through that, through that run <clears throat> and they really fought for it. Like, look, you, you can't just pull from all these dealerships overnight. Yep. Yep. You, you got to give them at least one more model. Yep. And so he conceded and said, all right, you got one more model, but it's got to make money. It's got to work, you know, and you know, it's got to be something more high volume that we can live off of, which made sense. Um, so, yeah. And, and if you think about, Hey, Tony, Got Tony Bosbolin here with his son Carter. Um, we, I think one of the 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 crazy things is, and I've said this a couple times. Um, some folks, I don't think they believe me, but you just said it a minute ago. When there were years and there were makes and models that didn't make money, and it's it's crazy to me that you know if you think about the business world, you know nobody wants to do anything that's not going to make money. But we are thankful that they did get that other opportunity and they rolled out that next model because if not, it could have been axed out. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, one of the uh, 
one of the things that was crazy is that design of the 61 Lincoln was from a Thunderbird. Um, they were looking for the next Thunderbird, trying to figure out what they were going to do, going through all of these different design groups and uh, designers that were working on it. And there were um, finally the dude get his name here. Yeah, because he he also after that was famously, I guess he left, and then he did the Imperial. I think it was the sixty four or sixty five Imperial. Eng- oh yeah, that's Inglewood. Right. That's right, Elwood Ingle, Elwood Ingle. <laughs> How's that name? How's that for a name? Yeah, sounds like a rapper these days, right? Inglewood in the house? Yes. Yeah, and I think he, the 61 was famously designed by him. And if if anyone has the time and they want to go on the Henry Ford Museum website, they have pretty much everything cataloged now digitally. And you can go back to Brian's point a minute ago. You can look at old photos of the concepts of the cars, and they look. Re- I sent one to Tony one day, and he goes, "Man, I don't think I would have ever wanted one." It was you the car. Scan those, and you can look at those online. Yeah, they scanned oh, a lot wow. of the old stuff now, and and it's it's kind of hard to save them to your phone, um, but uh, it, you know, I was able to to get a few of them there, and it's funny when you look at them. To your point, they do look like the Thunderbirds, but they also the other the other odd thing about it was they they didn't have the rear suicide doors, and they just looked weird. Because you know you know how you know why they did the door, right? I've heard a couple varying things. I heard something about there wasn't room to get in because you know how short the sixty one was, and they already yep. lengthened it from the Thunderbird, you know, kind of carryover yep. design. They'd already lengthened. It, I feel like. 10 inches or something to make it four doors so it could be a Lincoln. Yep, interesting. And when, you know, McNamara was a big dude and he was the boss man and they're like, you can't even get in and out of the thing. Like, hey, we let's do the, you know, pillarless, postless, suicide door. And like, all right, yeah, let's try it. Yeah, I heard something from when we went to the LCOC event a few years ago in Bradenton and there was a guy there from Houston and he, he said something about there was getting ready to be an executive meeting and they had to pull something together and it probably tied into that. But um, it's definitely, definitely interesting. Now, uh, Tony, I'm going to bring you in real quick, and I just wanted to kind of ask, you know, we're here with Brian Fuller, and um, when, you know, you've given a little intro in the past, we haven't really talked a lot, but um, how did you get hooked into Lincolns, dude? That started in early in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked them. I saw one on TV somewhere along the line when I was a teenager, and it's one day I'm going to get one, and the local... Uh, the local uh, funeral home up by me actually happened to be selling their flower car. They only used it to carry the flowers at the cemetery, so I made them an offer, and they took it. They made it an offer you couldn't refuse, right? Like the Godfather. Yeah. After that, I needed a couple small things, so I went down to Lincoln Land, met Chris. He let me walk around the whole warehouse. I picked out a couple pieces that I needed, and I've been there ever since. Going there ever since. Oh yeah. Now, now, Brian, when we think about like the different models over the years, it seems like the 50 Lincolns don't get, you know, maybe enough love. You know, you've been to some of the, the you know, a good amount of the concourse type shows and things like that. When you go to those events, do you ever see like the Cosmopolitans and things like that? And do people flock to those? Uh, you know, I don't really see a lot of that era. I mean, to me, you know, once you get past 57, 50, 56, 57, in my opinion, I don't know. I just feel like until you get into 61, it's really, in my opinion, they're just not that great. Yeah. And that's, I hate to offend anybody watching, but that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, no. And, and I think they, they took on a life of their own once they got to like 61, 62, 
the the cool thing is, and, and Tony, this I remember when you know we became friends years ago, and we started talking about Lincoln's. I always for for a, a long time it was tough for me to tell the difference between the ones, the twos, and the threes because they're very they're very similar. Um, do you ever find yourself when you're looking at like a side view of them, you're like, wait, is that a one or a two or a three? Because they are very similar. Yeah, you can pretty much on even a side view tell a 63 right away though, even from the passenger side. From the antenna? The deck. The deck. The lid is, is t- more pooched up in the back. They made it bigger for luggage. Yep, I just had read something about that recently. Yeah, 61 and two slope down a lot faster, more aggressive. And then 63, you can actually see that from the side, how much taller they made that. One thing I liked, Brian, about their earlier 60s, um, you know, being a, f- a fan of lowriders, it, it's, it's, there's something to be seen like when you see like an Apollo and it has those dual antennas. Um, and when you think about like the dual antennas, good call. But on the 61s, 2s, and 3s, they have the antenna on the back driver's side. I always thought that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, they changed that. But um, I always thought it was a cool design um, element that they had, and um, it's just funny how an antenna, you don't even need those anymore, right, <laughs> because of smartphones, but th- it was a cool thing. I love the power antenna. You know, every once in a while, someone will get in the car, and they'll move it up and down. I'm like, I don't even, I don't know if it's going to go back down. Like, don't put it up. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I don't have a garage where I can actually keep mine. It just pisses me off. I have to keep it undercover in Atlanta, and, you know, we have a lot of rain up there. Yep. And I'm just... You know, putting a cover on with your antenna all the way up is not going to be a good day. Oh, yeah. 63, though, they did go with the antenna on the passenger front fender. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, 61 and 2. Recorder. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we talk about a couple of the cars that you own, Brian, were there any other things you could think of that, like, stick out in your mind with the history piece that you maybe wanted to hit? You know, I did love the, um, you know, obviously we didn't talk about the Zephyr. Yes. I mean, the Zephyr was an iconic car, 1937. And that was done by Bob E.T. Gregory, um, who I, I read a book about somebody. I don't know if I stumbled on that thing at a swap meet, I feel like. And it was a design book about uh, Edsel Ford and E.T. Gregory, who they were doing. The Zephyr, by the way, was like, I don't know if you remember the big aerodynamic swept back. Yes. You know, um, kind of teardrop logo car that was built back then. It's one of the, really the first commercial aerodynamic cars that kind of came into being. And um, the first Lincoln that went international that became a car that, you know, was shipped and sold all over the world. And a pretty successful car. Yeah, beautiful cars. Uh, a guy we know in the car world, Dave Schulman, he had one uh, a few years back he had bought and it was like airbagged and stuff but just seeing it on the ground with those fenders and stuff i mean yeah you talk about elegance and you know to your point earlier um i think a lot of the older lincolns they don't get a lot of love and it's not that we don't you know appreciate them i know some people will ask me hey you need to post more 70s stuff it's it's kind of like the 60s stuff is is so front and center you know with the lincolns but there is that history there and obviously we want to kind of you know continue to you know, see that maintained. Um, it is weird too. They brought forth some of the naming conventions to the newer Lincolns, and you'll see the names like the Zephyrs and stuff. I'm like, that's not a Zephyr. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't like that V12 and that Zephyr? Right. I know it only made like another 10 horsepower or something. Though. It's I not know. much. It's, oh, it, yeah. it, it's looks cool, but yeah, not a lot more power going no, on. No, not there. much power, but the yeah. looks of it's really neat. Oh yeah. The uh, do you remember the 1953? Um, okay. 
Do you remember the 1953 X prototype? Did you ever look at look? That? No, I don't think I do. Oh man, this thing was cool. So <laughs> it had a power sunroof that was activated by water. So like it would close itself in 1950. Wow, I did not know that. It hit water. It had a built-in electric razor. <laughs> wow. How about that one? It had seat heaters. <laughs> Again, 1953, and it had a variable uh, loudness horn. Wow. Which I don't really know why you would need that. Well, well, some people, that's funny, because some people, like, they, they, I don't know, they, they look at concept cars now, like the one that Lincoln just introduced, and, and they're like, oh, that's ugly, you know, this and that. But what people don't understand, and listen, I'm not in the industry, but I know, like, looking, reading Sport Truck and, and all these magazines since the late 80s, when the companies, as you know, Brian, when they come out with the with these vehicles, it, sometimes those design elements aren't seen for years and years and years. It's kind of, I don't know the best way to describe it. A concept is like a, a what if, you know? But that is interesting that things all those years ago kind of played forward. And, and I know I watched a video the other day about the 2022 Lincoln Navigator, and it was crazy that it, it has like uh, massagers in the seats. Like, like, dude, like I crashed the freaking truck drive. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. I mean, what's in the back? Yeah, what's next? Built in, you know, uh, other stuff. I mean, come on, right? No telling. Yeah, I mean, it's that's where it's going. I mean, it's all coming down to the next wave of the future of cars is uh, personal interface, people interface, what kind of features and weird gadgets and, you know, kind of crap can it do? And, you know, at the end of the day, if that's what you want out of your, you know, experience with your car, I don't, you know, I'm not hating you for it. Yeah, it is my thing, but. It is what it is. So the other day there was um, a, a comment from I think the new Ford CEO, and I don't follow this stuff super closely. I just happened to read this article, and you know they announced they're going to be laying off like the, I think between like two and three thousand kind of white collar workers and whatnot. And you know we never want to see people get laid off. I think what his vision is, and some of the things I, I read between the lines, is if you think about the old days on dealerships on how important they were. I love going to an old dealership. But in this day and age, a lot of people just want to go online and order their car. And what we've seen in this COVID world is you've probably seen and heard of these dealer markups. Like some of these F-150s, 120, 140, 150 grand, you know, with 70 grand in markups. Listen, I know everybody's got to eat, but it will be interesting to me in the future on how the automobile is sold to the consumer. You know, are they just going to go on an app on their phone and pick their colors? And it's going to be show up two weeks later on a Carvana trailer. Well, you look at Tesla. I mean, look what they did. I mean, every business has gone direct to consumer. Why, you know, if you're running a business, why have a middleman if you don't have to? Yep. And, you know, yep. It's hard to get them to represent you properly in the way you want to be represented. You're paying them to do it, and you're not in control of the destiny of your brand. And so, there's a lot of reasons, you know, to do that. I think Jim Farley is has been a pretty badass CEO. Mm -hmm. Ford. He's a vintage racer. He races like Mustang out in Laguna. Uh, I saw him come through when I was at. Um, the quail, they had a big, like a run through and they had all these trans am com cars come through. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. I mean, they were like, I mean, it felt like 50 of them and they drove over from Laguna over the hill and into the lawn. And we're just all of a sudden everybody on the lawn was like, what in the world? That's awesome. And it was loud as hell. And he was, he was one of the dudes that rolled through there. That's awesome. Yeah. And thanks for reinforcing that. I think J Jim Farley is his name. 
and um, you know that's the tough thing with business. You know, there's there's the tough decisions that have to be made. But it will. I will be curious to kind of see how that that translates into the future. Shout out to LCOC, the Western uh, Basil. Uh, they just got a chance to meet Jim Farley. Uh, they took a photo with him, and it's really neat. Like, even Lincoln, I got to be honest, I was blown away. Now, I'm bad about checking my direct messages. Sorry, everyone, on Instagram. But Lincoln had sent an invite, and they said, hey, you're a big supporter of the brand. We'd love for you to come. And I think it was when they unveiled the Lincoln Star. And I thought to myself, like, my dumb ass would be the one that misses that. You know, now granted, I would have had to pay for my travel there and stuff, you know, no problem. You know, I would have understood that. But I thought to myself, it is pretty cool how they're linking up with people that do love the brand, you know, and I think that's an important thing with with uh, the OEMs, uh, whether it's a truck guy or a car guy. So, you know, shout out to Lincoln for that. Now, uh, Brian, why don't you talk to us a little bit about, um, I remember seeing on Carfix this coupe that you have. Talk to us about that car. Yeah, this is really neat. It's <laughs> it's funny living in Atlanta because it's pretty much the color of pollen. It's kind of like <laughs> Spanish gold. Like when every other car looks like crap in Atlanta, my car still looks the same. I see where you're going with it. That was a good camouflage thing. Yeah. So, you know, I really wanted the convertible. I really wanted the early one. That's yep. what That was what I was dreaming, but I just couldn't afford it. Yep, and yep. So... Uh, I kept looking around. I'm like, man, these two doors just aren't bringing any money. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the deal? And so I stumbled on one up in uh, Iowa, and it was uh, $9,500. 80,000 miles on the thing. Interior, all of it in pretty pretty good driver condition. And really, you know, not that many dings and dents. and looked like it had a, it had a light respray interiors that also green but the monochromatic between the green top and the green body and the green interior it's a pretty stunning car you know it is it is pretty cool and i gotta say this tony you've got a coupe as well right so you i mean let's be honest you coined the whole phrase i love on the rise so we used to always say coupes on the rise but really they were only around from 66 to 68 do you like? Do you enjoy driving your coupe still? Oh yeah, I enjoy driving my coupe a lot. Nobody knows really what it is until you know you tell them like, yeah, it's a Lincoln coupe. Oh, I didn't even know they made the two door in the '60s. There was so less of them. Yep. And here's the thing, uh, Brian. I always joke, you know, um, when uh, I forget what what movie was it, Deuce Bigelow, where they're like, "That's a huge," you know, whatever. Well, the doors on those things are freaking forever, aren't they? Oh yeah. They yeah. gotta be one of the longest doors ever. Yeah. That's a huge door. In parking lots these days, you gotta figure out where to park because that door is not opening. <laughs> well, <laughs> nicer car to get in and out of though is the driver. Yes. You know, the, the suicide yeah. is obviously iconic and everybody wants it, but. It's much more of a um, a driver car because you can get in and out of the thing better. I think they put the seat farther back too, like when they mounted the seat. Yeah, the seat definitely feels back further. Yeah. There's just so much more leg room in the front for the passengers. That's what they always tell me. It's like, damn, there's so much room yeah, up there here is. in the front. Yeah, there is. So I've actually got, um, I'm hoping you guys can hurry up and get it done. Lincoln Land is going to give me, um, they're going to pull out a two-door door so yeah, um, I talked to Lincoln Land, and they're supposed to pull me a two door from the driver's side, which I'm really excited about. So continuing our talk here with Brian Fuller, we got Tony Boss Bowling here a little bit fashionably late, but um, 
Brian, talk to us a little bit. I think that we're, we're going to pick up where um, we we're talking about your 60-year coop, right? So we talked about that a little bit. But are you looking to change anything, or are you looking to obtain parts, more parts? <laughs> um, you know, I did a I did 412s, 2,500-watt kicker system in that thing. It's all hidden behind the original factory radio. So you've got like a volume on one side and a bass on the other. The Bluetooth connects bitching. I mean, it, that thing sounds so awesome. And the kids riding in it, my friends and whatnot, man, they just, they love the stereo and that. It's badass. Um, it's got, you know, the front air, um, ride tech, strong arms and air ride kit. And then I made my own, um, silly as it is, these 5,000 pound cars have like a three quarter inch front sway bar. <laughs> right. So I got pissed off about it. And eventually I made myself, I bent up and literally like heat and swedged my own one and a quarter inch front sway bar. And with 20s, it's amazing how that thing will turn now. I mean like. Well, so you could tell the difference. Oh yeah. Night and day. Yeah. And it is mind blowing how there isn't a huge market. I guess, I mean, we keep being told there's not enough market for it. I don't see how people can have a car without a sway bar. You know, some of the mini truckers used to, you know, they don't have a sway bar or this and that. But on one of these old cars, like a Cadillac or Lincoln, dude, you have to have it. Well, they're just too small. I mean, nobody makes one. As far as I know, there's not one on the aftermarket, and it's just too small. So come on, Hotchkiss. Come on, Ride Tech. Somebody make us a front sway bar. We need it. Oh, yeah. Now, Tony, the one unique thing about your uh, coupe is you've got hydraulics on it. So what's the feeling like when you drive it as far as, you know, versus when you had a stock? Actually, virtually there was no difference. When I went to uh, hydraulics, I decided to uh, make sure I got the accumulators, uh, which are basically like a shock, but for hydraulics. So it takes all the, uh, the ridgeness off of it. It's not, if I hit a Vidoc on the highway or something, it just still hits like normal, like I'm on normal. Yeah, shocks and coils it's it's really weird even after we installed it, everybody's like this doesn't ride like it's on hydraulics at all it just it rides normal like a lincoln brian on your coupe are there any unique features i know like the, blair would always tell us about the atc automatic temperature control and things like that is there any unique feature that you're like wow i can't believe this has this or anything that piques your interest on your coupe uh i've got the i've got the convertible too i just I got it about a year ago and, you know, I mean, I think a couple of the interesting just factoids, you know, one is that they have a hydraulic um, windshield wiper, yep, which yep. is kind of weird. Like the first time I found it, I was, <laughs> we rebuilt the motor and we put a new power steering pump on and like all of a sudden I turn on my wipers. Like, what the hell happened to my wipers? <laughs> I'm like, we just fixed up the motor and the air conditioning. And like all of a sudden my wipers were good. <laughs> <laughs> Thousand PSI going through there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, the convertible, I love the color on it. Um, would you call it, I'm bad with colors, is it considered maroon? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a deep red, burgundy, uh, oxblood, you know, kind of color. It's got black interior that needs some love. Um, another one of the funny factoids for those things that Lincoln Land, you know, showed me was that of all of the metal in those cars, like everything's metal. The A-pillar is metal. The yes. Everything is metal. But the power window gears were nylon or some kind oh, of plastic. Oh, right, right, right. I mean, what, what kind of idea was that? Like, who screwed that one up? So John Cashman had told us one time that he had visited the Wixom plant and he apparently had talked to one of the engineers. 
I believe John listens. John, have to keep me honest on this. It had something to do with that when they engineered it, they wanted that was the one thing that they knew, like the soccer moms and dads were going to have to bring back to the dealership that they were going to break. But yeah, it's I like mean, of anything to not make out of plastic. Right? I mean, it's just a guarantee fail spot. Yeah, it, and maybe it, it was you know planned obsolescence. Yeah, you know, I know. Power window doesn't work. You buy a new Lincoln. yeah well that's i mean some some of that clientele on car fix what was neat um i told people to check it out on motor trend you had um we got a chance to see eric i think it was at lincoln land kind of he's one of the master mechanics there he did a little bit of work and it's so awesome to see him work because he knows the cars inside and out you could almost put a blindfold on him and he could take the door panel off, and he knows right where to drill. And there's certain things you got to do. And if you weren't a Lincoln guy, you wouldn't know you have to drill in certain spots and things like that. Yeah, you have to drill out the door panel in order to get the regulator out in order to fix the gear. Now you don't. Ha- you could take it out. You just would have to take the window out in order to get there. I believe was if I remember correctly. And so if you know where to drill, then you can drill out the spot welds and take the regulator out without taking the window out. Yeah, and Tony, you work on these cars a lot too. Um, when you see a car that's been sitting a long time and it has the famous, as John Cashman says, the peanut butter on the tracks, um, any, I mean, I know I'm going a little off course here, but what should people know that they need to do to, to fix it or clean it? I always uh, go ahead and pull everything out, the window out and the window tracks, and t- I take it all and I just usually use a solvent and I get all the old grease that's hardened down in the tracks. Oh yeah. Clean that all out. And then I usually always use like a white lithium grease and I grease everything back up, make sure the sliders are sliding correctly too, that are actually on the regulator, not just in the tracks. Oh yeah. Take it all apart and, you know, and just deep peanut butter it basically because that old grease dries up and it turns rock hard and then the windows go slow and yeah, so just know if your windows are going slow, you know, there's typically some maintenance like what we were talking about on Brian's car that, you know, a lot of that got done and fixed. Brian, one of the recent episodes, I had a guy that lives up in Georgia, a former service member. His name's, his nickname is Skag, uh, Skip. He has a 70s Lincoln that came from the Chick-fil-A fleet, I guess the executive fleet that they had back in the day. And one cool thing that he had done on it is the rear suicide doors on a 70s Lincoln. It looks so good. Um do you ever see the later Lincolns, 70s, 80s, and kind of go, I can't believe they stopped doing the suicide doors on the rear? I just, uh, I don't know. I just can't look. I can't hardly even look at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's funny. You know, Some, someone, not my car. Someone commented one time, and they go, why do rappers always, you know, if you listen back to the 90s, and they still do, why do they still, why do they talk about coupes all the time? I was like, well, think about it. From a car guy perspective, okay, Tony, you know this most people don't like four-door cars, right? Like if you look at a four-door Nova, you know, I mean, you, you see some, you know, the, the, all the butt of all the jokes, right? Right. The Lincolns were the exception, and I think we all know it. It's, boom, there's no pillar. Brian said it earlier. And there's the rear suicide door. So it kind of gives it that that ghetto pa- or that pass, you know? Right. They got the hall pass for sure. The hall pass, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's changed, though. I mean, I just looked up the value of the coupes compared, you know, recently. And, you know, the Haggerty on their price guide, you know, I think the number two level, I think they call it a B, like whatever their second level is, not like show crazy quality that's basically a nice driver. You know, they're they're looking at about $65,000 on the convertible and the, the coupe 
you know, I bought mine for 10, five years ago, that's gone to 25,000. I mean, it's, it's major improvement in the last, you know, five years. Yeah. Cause people realize they're like, they're very cool cars in 66. They made 15,766 of them. And that's in comparison to the convertibles in 66, they were 3180. So it showed that, especially like, if you think back to that era, I know it might sound cliche, but like, you know, the playboy, um, they had the, the clubs everywhere and, you know, you had these guys that wanted this like that little bit higher end car, but something a little more, dare I say the word sporty, it's just what people wanted and, and the numbers show that like, they sold a lot of them. Yeah. You know, what do you, you want to jump forward? I'd like to kind yep. of talk about the current Lincoln and, and sure. maybe work towards the concept. Yeah. Let's definitely talk about it. Where do you think like, do you, um, I, where do you want to go with it? Uh, my, my whole, my only point that I wanted to make is that it is surprising that they're kind of—I don't want to say abandoning the sedans, but we understand the market. Soccer moms don't want sedans, okay? They want SUVs. But uh, what are some of your thoughts on kind of the newer Lincolns? Well, I mean, if you jump past the current Lincolns, I mean, I like the, I like the new Lincolns. Um, you know, you look at the Navigator, the Aviator, the Nautilus, and the Corsair. Um, I think the interiors are gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I personally, like if, you know, I, I can't spend $90,000 yep. on that when I yep. could buy a four door convertible from the sixties, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. But what a nice car. I mean, if you had the extra money and you wanted a new one, I think they're great. They look beautiful to me. Yeah. Well, and the guy, Dave Shulman, you know, he has one that he built and, you know, I was talking to my buddy Marlon about it the other day. I mean, the 2022 I saw the other day on YouTube, it, the black label, it, it I think it was like 110 grand, right? And I look at it, and we know cars are going to depreciate, but I tell you what, the amount of features they put in it, it reminds me of the Maybox, right? Remember, like those were in all oh, yeah. the the different you know websites, and they were showing all that. But yeah, the the amount of class, and that's the cool thing about Lincoln, they, they always pride themselves with having best in class. Yeah, the design is really um, gorgeous. I thought. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. <clears throat> now, they did have the concepts, right? The star, and then the other one the other day, I forget what the name of it was, but I think it was a different concept. I didn't see the other one. Um, I saw the star. That's the one I saw, which is this, you know, throwing back. You were saying the sedans are gone, but, uh, you know, the sedans are going to come back. I mean, you look at the Tesla is brought back. The Porsche makes the electric, um, their electric sedan, which is a, another really beautiful design, and... um this X has some crazy big suicide doors that hinge from like the tail. <laughs> it's got a big open, uh, big open sunroof. And I don't know. I mean, I think of any brand, you know, in any style of car that a luxury car is really, you know, one that hits the mark to be electric. And that's one, I think they're going to be some very exciting uh, models that come out over the next 20 years. Yeah. And that's some of the things that we can see, um, in these concepts, you know, it gives us that foresight. Now I had saved, I have a folder on Instagram called star. And I think that's what it was. For some reason I was getting mixed up because I saw, um, this, somebody was saying like it was reimagining Brian. If you look at that rendering here, you know, there was a couple of different renderings and things like that. But I think from what, what I gathered is that, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's very forward thinking. And, um, to me, the thing that stood out was I wonder how much of that is going to, to pull forward. Like if you look at the wheels there on that, I mean, I just thought to myself like, dude, that's like, 
that's like some oh yeah there you go space aged yeah well i mean you know when you're doing a concept you're you're just allowing the designers to go full scratch you know and that's what you want you want that creativity to come out i mean if you look at the old uh harley earl concepts you know he kind of really fathered the concept cars back in the 30s and you look at some like the LeSabre and some of all of the buick touches and the pontiac touches and the old touches that ended up in in that car you know you just want to get it out of your brain and get the creativity you know out on the out in something that you can see and judge how people react and they'll tell you what they like and what they don't like and you know from there you got to refine that's the creative process yeah and what you're showing there and i think it may have fallen under the name but it, it says the model l100 concept and what that almost reminds me of is, dare I say, the C word Cadillac. A few years back, they had the 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 I don't know how to pronounce it right C C I E L Seal maybe, and that I think was the car that was in the Entourage movie. So it was ironic because they didn't have a Lincoln, but they had this crazy convertible um, Cadillac. And I thought to myself, like, what a very cool car. But it was a concept car, and I think it was loaned to them for the movie or something. But uh, that car, to me, like right there, what you see is just like mind-blowing you know what what can be produced yeah well i think it's uh you know i guess to me looking at the hundred years of lincoln i personally just can't imagine that you know you wouldn't pull up in a 56 57 61 67 you know car next to some weird insane future (laughs) you know a 3022 Lincoln and still not be floored and look at that thing and go, man, they got it. What right. a, what a timeless design that will never look bad. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate when you think about, um, I wanted to jump back just briefly on this cause you sparked my, my memory on the whole Inglewood thing. When they introduced, or when when he did the sixty one Lincoln, and then I think he went over to the Imperial. There's a lot of debate on people going, the you know, I love the Imperial more and stuff. I know the Imperial had a lot of features, and I think it drove Lincoln to do a couple things, maybe even the bucket seats, you know, the adjustable contour seats. But I thought to myself, to me, the Lincoln just looks so much better than the Imperial, like visually. You know, going back to the design cue that you just said a minute ago, not taking away from the Imperial. But me personally, like all these years later, like if I knew nothing about Lincolns and I looked at both of them, I'd say I, I'd want the Lincoln over the Imperial. There's just something so clean about the design. I mean, with the big flat sides and the little trim piece that goes all the way down from, you know, front to back. And, you know, it's it's it feels like it's just a flat sheet, you know, in the front and the rear. Um there's something about the restraint, you know, and in design, it's just easy to do shit that's big and, you know, flamboyant and, you know, out there, but, you know, uh, no different than a tailored suit. Like, you know, yeah, you can make a purple studded, you know, whacked out crazy suit with the most weird, crazy cuts. But when you see a tailored suit by an elder, an elder gentleman, that's been, tailored just right with the perfect seams and the perfect cut and you know that it's it's that's a suit you could see in 200 years and it still looks great oh yeah and i wonder sometimes if we lose a little bit of that like a lot of people you know rag on apple and stuff like that but if you look at the the i mean you know the commitment that they've had like even the internals the way things are designed they 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 really push the boundaries and you know there's that famous old story where steve jobs took an ipod and 
you know, they, they said there's no, we can't get any more room out of it. And he dropped it in an aquarium and it had bubbles come out. And he said, there's bubble, there's air in there, you know. <laughs> but I wonder sometimes that like as we get into, as we go into the future, is some of that lost? You know, like sometimes, you know, people said when the Tesla first came out, you know, you mentioned earlier, they pushed the boundaries to build their own, you know, cars, right? But then people were saying the gapping wasn't right and things like that. So I just wonder in the future, will that tailored suit, will there be people and companies that are willing to commit to that excellence or will the cost cutting stuff continue to be the driver? I think we're at least in America. I feel like we're going more towards, you know, there's a split, you know, there's the group that doesn't give a shit about design or aesthetic or, you know, quality or, or taste. And I think there's a whole nother group, you know, kind of like there's a lot of split in America, but I do believe that, you know, we're, we're already there where <clears throat> you get to a spot where the only differentiators between these cars is going to be, um, you know, what kind of cool features and lighting gadgets. and sh- gadgets and connectivity that it does and design. Like, that's it. Like, what else is there going to be? There's gone. It's going to be a quiet yep. electric car. There's yep. going to be no other differentiator. <laughs> design is going to be the differentiator. And I love that. Like, Boom, I like it. You know, like design to me is just what rules my life. So I just, I love the fact that it's going to be what matters in the future. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you think about like, you know, I follow a lot of tech stuff. And listen, one thing I'm not excited about, I don't really know when it's going to come, who knows, but like this Apple car. But I think what Apple's going to do is they're going to drive things that we've seen in trends. So like if you look at the 88 to 98 Chevy and then the new body styles that came after that, right? The point that I'm making is that you look at a lot of those American cars and there wasn't a lot of design on the interiors, right? But what are we seeing now in these newer Chevys and the Lincolns like we talked about? People want like really nice cabins. They want those gadgets and stuff. So to your point, Brian, we have seen, I think, uh, a resurgence of people going, listen, you know, I want an Escalade. I want a Navigator. I want something that has all these gadgets. So I hope that it continues to lead that innovation. I think Apple's going to end up with like, you know, there's going to be different lighting. You know, if you get a notification or your garage door closes, you know, you're going to have these just different things that happen. And, and oh, it's going to be, be crazy. It'll be neat to see how far it pushes. Sure. Stuff. I mean, personally, I still, you know, like they can do all that shit they want. And it's <laughs> funny to see and it's interesting. And I like that they're doing it. But I, I love that I get in old cars and the radio, there's no radio. Yep. There's just simplicity, yep. you know, and getting after a, a crazy day, I've been on your phone all day yep. and talking and building and all this shit that we do. And then you, you get in this old car and you just get to be simple and quiet oh, yeah. and relaxed, you know? Well, the last point I'll make on the Apple car, dude, stuff doesn't usually make me spit my drink out, but a couple weeks ago I was reading this article and it was talking about some of the infighting in Apple over what they want on this car, right? I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but this this made me laugh. So we think about four-door cars. One of the arguments that apparently was going on was that they wanted a, they want a four-door car or they want a, they want a four-seater car. They want it to be self-driving, but they want to be able to push a button and for the seats to swivel around and all the people to be able to talk while the car is driving down the road. And I thought to myself, what is it eventually going to happen? Sure. But that experience, if you watch these old videos on the Lincolns and stuff, people talk about like, you know, you're one with the car. You know, you can, you can feel the road, but you can't. You know, you have all that stuff. So I almost envision the design's going to continue to get better. But I just wonder if things are going to get so crazy that people are just like, well, we don't even drive anymore. We just hit a button. 
You know, I, I can't be that person. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have the, I have the feeling, you know, there's people still ride horses and, you know, I think a lot of people are going to go to, are going to ride bicycles like the e-bike. The e-bike craze has got to be huge and they're super useful in the city. I live in Atlanta. We've got the Beltline. We've, we've got all kinds of places that we can ride e-bikes and get around. And these cities, it's, it's so nice to be able to, to, to ride without being in traffic. And I hope, you know, I'm pushing that one, you're going to have, um, automatic braking and automatic driving and all this stuff going on. And that the e-bike will be the gateway drug to get you into a motorcycle type experience or a, a, a you're driving it experience. You're in control of the vehicle and feeling what all of us feel when we get on a, yes. a get on a track or, you know, ride yeah, it. You're a, big into that stuff. Ride a hundred miles an hour and around. And so I think because you're going to be so have no experiences like that because you've been, you know, in this driverless car that you want it on the weekend. Hmm. Personally. Yeah, interesting take. You know, yeah, and see, and I like a take like that versus somebody going, nope, not for me. I'm not doing it, you know, because listen, the world's changing. And, and the same people that argue about, you know, these electric vehicles, again, I always love the argument of, do you think when tools were progressing that people were just like, you know what, I'm not going to use that plug-in drill because in my day, we got the, you know, we got our muscles from, and it's like. It oh, should have a cord. Right. <laughs> you can't use a cordless sawzall. Right. I mean, there should be what no. What is wrong with you? There should be no innovation. Kids. Thank <laughs> kids. Yeah, my, my father is stubborn on that until I finally bought him a couple Milwaukee you know, half-inch driver and 3-H driver um, for well, his we toolbox. Well, we see TV shows and stuff, and I know you have a lot of them where, you know, just the, the little battery, and it's like the, uh, the amount of power, you know, you could just get in there and, you know, the time and the efficiency and how things could get done. We I, really tangent there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Qu- you went to Cadillac and to Apple, and then we went to I cordless know, tools. I know. I went, I went, okay, We're so off the rails officially. I got one more for you that's kind of off the rails. You mentioned motorcycles earlier. Um. Did you ever get a chance to meet, rest in peace, Dale Wexler from the mo- the Wheels Through Time? Sure. Yep. yep. Yeah, Dale was awesome. He was a um, – he called me up one day <laughs> and he said, hey, Brian, got a job for you. And I'm like, finally, you know, like finally I get a call from Dale to like actually do, do some something. work, you know. I'm like, yeah, Dale, uh, you want me to build you a gas tank or make you a fender or paint something or what you got? And he goes, I want you to be my male model. <laughs> Like, oh god, dude! I watched them. It's not exactly show. the way I was thinking about it. I watched them on that show, and I swear it seemed like there was nobody more passionate. So very cool. Um, going back to the Lincoln stuff, when you take your car or one of your cars to some of the local events and things like that, and you see the people come around and check it out, it's got to give you a huge smile just to see that people still appreciate the old metal. Yeah, and I, I'm just. Luckily for me, I get, I do it every day, so I don't have to wait around until there's a show. You know, <laughs> I, I'm literally, uh, I have my two door out in the snow, you know, this year I put 10,000 miles on that car in three years and my commute's only 10 miles. So, you know, it's not like I'm, <laughs> and I, I only did one, one, two, I did two pretty good trips. I came down to Florida one time yep. and I did up to Blue Ridge, wow. which if you've driven the Blue Ridge Parkway, not since I was a kid with my parents, man, you take a Lincoln you know, on that road, wow, you that is an the, experience. You got to take the vert, vert to do it. Oh yeah, man! I'm like, I'm driving the shit out of that thing too. I'm driving the rain, and you know, like, I'm I got a lot of miles on that thing already. 
Yep. And you got the billet wheels on it. Being an old mini trucker, you know, we used to bend the billet wheels and stuff. Uh, real quick, what's your what's your experience? Everything been good so far with the wheel deal? Yeah, we had 22s, a Raceland billet. And, you know, Atlanta, our streets are just so bad. That, you know, I was bending up my 22s, which sucked. So I switched to 20s, um, and I got probably almost two inches more rubber, you know, between the two. And that's just enough to where now I'm not having any problems. Yeah, Atlanta roads are just shit. It sucks. So. Yep. Yep. Well, as many truckers we know, because over the years it was like 17s, you know, bending them back in the day and things like that. Um, Tony, I know we're going to wrap up here in just a couple minutes, but uh, you got a chance to go over to Lincoln Land the other day, and you get to see kind of some of the back-end operation, all the rides they've been working on. Um, it's got to be pretty cool. You know, we forged a relationship with Chris. He's been in business over 40 years, I think, technically. Blair one day gave me the nickel tour, showing me kind of the old shop and things like that. Um it's got to be pretty cool, though, to see the legacy of Chris and everything that he's built uh, with his team there over the last 40 years. And I'm just glad we've, we've got a chance to become good friends with Chris. Yeah, Chris is an awesome man. He's uh, man an encyclopedia of knowledge for Lincolns. And it's crazy because now you have like our pictures in our phone to look and everything. And when I go to his house and you look at his bookcase, he has all his pictures from, you know, the late 70s till now in order from, you know, he took pictures every day with his camera and developed them. So he's got millions of pictures. If you ask him, and oh, where'd, on him. where'd this red 64 go that you had? Hold on, right, hold on, let me get that album out. And he just pulls it right <laughs> off the wall and he'll pull out that picture. I'm like, man, this guy's crazy yep. with the knowledge of the, you know, the car, every car he's followed throughout the United States that is the point I'm getting at. And he just knows everybody when they bought that car, when they sold that car, who's the next owner and, yeah, and a quick story was you had acquired an old parts car that had a bunch of receipts in it that they had done work on it 20 years prior, but it had the newspaper in it, and it had it was addressed to Chris's dad. Correct. It the was a part. Pieces, you know, Mr. Dunn, yes. um, but you were able to give that back. You know, Chris collects a lot of things, and that was a neat little gesture. Yeah, it was cool. He liked it. It was an ad that his dad saved, but it was his dad's name and address was on that paper, and it was just wrapped up in a... And it was actually a piece of stainless that was uh, repolished, and yep. it was sitting in the trunk. And I found it. So I said, "You want this?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I want that." So yeah, if you think about all the Lincolns, either the phone calls or the cars went through Lincoln Land, so it's pretty cool. Brian, dude, we've talked about a lot of cool stuff. I mean, anything else maybe we missed? Oh man, you know this has been really fun. You know, I did the Two Guys Garage podcast a little bit ago, yep, and yep. We, had, we had two subjects we were kind of like ready to do. We were going <laughs> to do Lincolns, and we were going to do Formula Fords, which I'm racing uh, coming up. Just got my racing license. Oh wow! And uh, we started in Bird and Willie were like, "Yeah, we don't want to talk about Lincolns." So I was like, "Man, I just did all this like, come on man. time researching it, and I was excited about it." And that's why I yeah. called you like, "Hey, let's do some let's do some talking about let's old Lincolns and new Lincolns." So it's been really fun and. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys having me on and and listening. That was a good time. Yeah, no problem. Listen, we appreciate. Uh, we we want to wish you all the success. I know that you know you got a lot going on. So thanks. And uh, Tony, any last words? Yes. And tomorrow I follow up, Brian. We'll get that part for you pulled. I'll make yeah. sure they get it done. I'm gonna make my four door into a three door. Yeah, you know the old three door Suburbans. That's Everyone's right, making baby. a four doors, man. Hey, safety it's, first. It's the perfect of both worlds. You get the two door <laughs> for the guy driving, and you get a four door for your passengers on the on the inlet side, on the curbside. So it's going to be awesome. We always joke with our friend Grim. He has a 64 Lincoln. It's a, it's a donk, 
We said, Grim, you don't have a hair on your ass to unsuicide the rear doors or Lambo all four of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> he hates it. Lambo all four. That would be funny. Do the reverse Lambo. Oh, my deals. God. I Somebody know. would love that. I We're know. losing listeners by the second now. Um, hey, listen, we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, stay tuned. Like I said, I'm going to do the um, LBJ Lincoln, I think, on the next episode, I'm going to talk about it. It's for sale right now for 250 I've done a ton of research on it. The car goes back many, many years, of course, to 64. And it was there the faithful day that JFK was assassinated. I'll talk more about that on the next episode of Lincoln Attic Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for having us. Hey, hey, this episode is a wrap. Thank you so much, everybody that stuck with us to the end. A little bit outside my comfort zone in terms of doing audio on site. I have the equipment, but adds a different dynamic. So you could kind of tell there, um, you know, we we had a little bit of, um, you know, kind of an echo at different points and stuff like that. A little bit different volume throughout the episode. But rest assured, we got some content out. That's really what what's key. So we hope that you guys enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I am working on the new episode. And... Um, I did want to say, I think I made a mistake in it, and I mentioned the gentleman's name, as Brian correctly stated, is Elwood Engel, E-L-W-O-O-D-E-N-G-L-E, Elwood Engel. Um, I think I said something uh, like Englewood or something like that, but um, you guys knew what I was talking about. He, um, just a quick note, uh, Elwood Paul Engel was Chrysler's corporation design chief from 61 until 74. But um, if you go and you Google his name, he first joined General Motors as a student under Harley Earl's watchful eye at GM School of Design. 1939, he met classmate Joe Oros and George Walker at the school. And um, it goes on to say, however, when Walker obtained a contract with Ford Motor Company in 47... Uh, Engel and Oros went to work full-time designing automobiles. Engel and Oros were uh, such close friends that Oros was his best man when Engel was wedded. Um, then it says, while Oros worked under Walker on Ford car and truck designs, Engel concentrated on Lincoln and Mercury. So, you know, we could do a whole episode in the future. The 61 Lincoln Continental was, from everything I've ever read, was Engel... Uh, Eagles design so that's why it was so elegant and things like that and then of course uh, he did jump over as I mentioned with Chrysler Corp and basically designed the Imperial so a lot of people say you know two of the best cars ever made in terms of you know style elegance things like that but uh, again there's always a lot of topics you know that everybody's different opinions I appreciate uh, Brian and Tony sitting down literally last night uh, we got all the audio done I cleaned it up and uh, we're getting the episode out. So thank you guys. Uh, check out YouTube, Lincoln Addict. I'm going to continue to put more videos there. I'll be working on the AC hopefully this Saturday. And then within a week or so, I'll start to try to put together that video. But uh, appreciate everyone. Stay on the rise. We out of here. ODB the Lincoln Addict. <laughs>